Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Match Lip Podcast. My name is Frank Angeloni. I'm your host on today's show. If you haven't listened to our recent episode, it's with Dragon's Lair, the franchise or of Dragon's Lair, to be exact, out in Texas, in Columbus is where they have stores. So the owner of the establishment from the beginning was David Wheeler. He now is the franchise or and has other owners that he works with to essentially sell the licensing rights to be able to bring up about more stores in the area. If you haven't listened to it, I suggest you give it a listen and then come back and listen to this episode with Lance from Gamers Geekery and Tavern out in Cary, North Carolina. So Lance, I'd like to welcome you on the program today. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So Lance, if you could tell us about a little bit about yourself, where you grew up um, and the origin of how Gamers Geekery and Tavern came about to be. We would love to hear that to start off. Um, so let me start with, I, I grew up in Virginia, out in the mountains, very, very rural. Um, <clears throat> part of growing up is like, family always played card games. Um, so I kind of grew up playing a lot of games. And then I got, you know, to middle school and it started becoming D&D and then Axis and Allies, uh, Risk, stuff like that. So, you know, kind of drawn to the competitiveness of the board gaming from an early age. And so... Um, Got to be an adult, thought about the kind of place I would like to hang out. There'll be a lot of board games, be some beers, be some food. And that kind of led to, uh, to this place becoming what, is, what it is now. Were you going to your own game store back in Virginia where you grew up originally? Did that pique your interest? Yeah, to we, we, we didn't, uh, sorry, I'm chuckling. We, didn't, we weren't big enough to have a game store. It was about an hour away. Oh, wow. So that's far. So you, you really would just have to, I guess, play at home. So we, uh, it's funny. So by the time I got into high school, we actually started playing Access and Allies at the library downtown because it was a pretty big library and it was pretty deserted. And as long as we didn't make too much noise, the librarian wouldn't throw us out. Um, and then we played at school and just at friends' houses and stuff like that. And from those years of playing, when did you realize that you wanted to open up a game store? What would you say what age you were about when that the bug, I guess, hit you? Um, I don't know if it was a bug as much as like, I always, <laughs> it was a joke when I was in my early twenties. Cause I was, I was an engineer for the first decade of my career after college. Uh, I kind of joked that my retirement job would be a game store at the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess this is kind of a form of that. Um, and I don't know there's so much that I really wanted to open one. It's just, we didn't have anything like this here and kind of wanted one to, you know, I kind of felt like one of them was needed. And based on the, how busy we are, I think there's a lot of other people that kind of agree with me because we've been, we've been pretty busy pretty much since open. Uh, except for the COVID days. What's the origin story of the store? How did you get it started to now what it's become? So in 20, uh, oh, was it late 2013? I think it was late 2013. Uh, was kind of, I had another job that I was doing where I was like either working my butt off or not doing anything. And I, I really am not that good at being idle. So in one of the not doing anything things, we started doing um, uh, magic drafts with friends. And so just got on the list and got the company organized so we could get products so we could do those. And then um, 2014, a friend of mine's wife, she had been a stay-at-home mom for forever, and her kids were grown, and she was looking for something to do. So I partnered with them, and we opened a retail space uh, in 14. And that was around for about five years. <clears throat> and then we decided we wanted to – early on, I knew I wanted to add a, a bar with it at least instead of you know, even a bar and food. And where we were at with our first lease, uh, we couldn't do that. There was too many complications with the landlord. So when we were getting ready to move at the five years, um, we found a space, remodeled it, put it in the kitchen, uh, put in 12 tap lines, 
um, and made it to the, the model it's on now, which is the Board of Cafe. So I kind of knew what I wanted back in even at 14 when we started. It just you know took some while to get the business built up. What was the hardest part with putting each of those pieces together? Did the food and beverage side of it prove to be more of a challenge or was the game store aspect itself more of a challenge? So the partner handles a lot of the game store pieces, like order the stuff, pre-orders and stuff like that. I handle a lot more of market position and then a lot more of the restaurant side now. And um, the hardest part the entire time has been, it's, it's, it's like every other business like this, finding people. Uh, we have a lot of people that come in that like love the industry, but you know, they love games or whatever, but um, employees, finding employees that care. And I think we're in a pretty good spot now. We were in a pretty good spot in 2020, I feel like when the, the you know, the, the world kind of ended for places like us. And so a lot of the people that I had in 2020 uh, moved back, you know, were from out of state or whatever, they, they were in the triangle. And so a lot of them ended up moving or finding other jobs or, you know, you couldn't, if they were, even if they were, you know, prof- you know constant professionals in a restaurant, they couldn't work in a place like this because we were essentially shut down. And so a lot of them ended up either moving on or moving somewhere else. And so when 2021, we started hiring people back. And um, just since 2021, staffing has been like one of the hardest parts. But I think we've kind of got that back to a good spot now. But it's taken two, three years to get here. Um, yeah. So staffing, I think, has been the biggest problem, probably even since the first inception when we were uh, just retail. What kind of steps do you currently take to try to bring on more staff um, with that being a current struggle? Just, you know, we'll advertise on the website. We'll advertise, you know, advertise on uh, Facebook or stuff like that. Just through our social media. And uh, that's been the best way to find find new people to bring in. And how many employees? Oh, we have about 14, 14, 15. 14, 15. Okay. Is that encompass both the restaurant and the game store side? Yeah, it does. And so the game store side, we essentially didn't quite close it down in 2019 when we moved into the restaurant. We still do the retail. Uh, We do a lot of the magic singles and Pokemon singles and stuff like that online. Uh, And then we have our, we have our kind of our people that come over with us that have always bought their stuff with us. They're still there, but we're actually opening an expansion. That's going to be a retail leg of this. Uh, not exactly in the same, it's in the same building, but it's across the way. So it's, you get a little bit of, a, so I think if I was going to do this again, uh, I would put it a lot more like a, I'll call it, we'll call it Cracker Barrel. I'd make it a lot more like Cracker Barrel. We'd have a retail in the front and the restaurant in the back. I, I think that's the way I would build it if I was building another one of these, because I think it'd be a whole lot better. So is the extension going to be its own building? Essentially, it's a second location. Yeah, yeah. so the restaurant, or our current rest space, we're in Suite 213 and 215 of this big building, and it's going to be in Suite 209. Uh, and it's not down from us. It's kind of across from us because it's kind of a square building. Um, so we'll be able to see it. You just won't be able to walk into it without walking outside. Okay, I see. And how long has this been in the works for, and how long before you can, I guess, open it up publicly? I signed the lease in, I think, November, October, November timeframe. We're still get. uh, we just got the power on this past week. We had to do a bunch of electrical work in there before the power can be turned on because there was a lot of exposed copper from the previous tenant did some work they shouldn't have done. (laughs) Um, And so I'm targeting, we don't have much to do with some drywall paint floor. Uh, We're targeting a March 1st open. Okay. Very cool. And what is your day-to-day like? with the store and now managing this new, you know, extension location, what, what do you do on a day-to-day basis? Are you at the store every day? 
Mm, not, I'm not here every day. Um, we have a we have a, of the people. We have people who open, close, stuff like that. Um, I tend to be here if there's a problem. Like the neighbor downstairs had a fire a couple months back, and so getting to rush over here for that to see if we were whole or not. And thankfully, we just had some. We didn't even have to do any real reconstruction. We just had some smoke get in the house, get in, which wasn't that bad. So I'm here probably four or five days a week. A lot of times though, it's just checking in. Uh, check in. I got a front of the house manager, back of the house manager, um, and a couple people in the retail. And right now, it's knock on wood, it seems to be going relatively smoothly with everybody. Um, and there's of those people, there's probably like four of us that I really rely on for most of the heavy lifting. If the, you know if things go badly, so yeah, I'm here regularly. I get involved. You know, we have a Discord chat where all the employees chat with stuff that's going on and things like that. It's one of those weird things, right? So if you have like a place that sells hamburgers, you just sell hamburgers and it's, it's whatever it is, right? But when you have a place like ours where a lot of our customers are in, some of them are in two, three, four times a week even regularly. So we end up having to, we have to do menu shifts a little more often than I was anticipating, which is kind of cool because you get to work on a new menu, but you kind of, you want to have your core stuff, but like even me, I, you know, I hear a couple of days a week and I'm like, okay, I've had that three times now and that three times now and that three times now. And you're like, um, which our food is good, but it's like anything else, you know, you got to, you want to mix it up a little bit from time to time. And what was the process with setting up the restaurant side of things? Cause from, you know, licensing to regulations and stuff like that, like I know that's, it's an involved process and I've talked to some other stores who have what a similar thing, uh, that what you have. Um, and I'm curious from your standpoint of things, how involved that construction of the business was because if I understood correctly in the early days, it was a retail space. So this came later on. Is that correct? Yeah, we actually, the spot we're in now, we started off with this being office space that we gutted. Um, so we came in and just did the remodel and put in the coolers and the fridges and the lines. Um, used some consultants that to were some, some degree of success on how to do this. And so, uh, I mean, we're, it's like anything else in business, right? mistakes were made, but uh, we got open and we, we kind of got through it all. The, the permitting in North Carolina is not ridiculously bad. Um, the, the people here have been in the town and whatever are really easy to work with as far as like, just tell them what you need to do and they help you figure it out. And then our ABC laws here are, it's not like, I mean, I know you're up in the Northeast. It's, it's very different getting a permit here than it would be in like New York or New Jersey. I got some, some friends I've talked to that open places up there way back in the past. And like, apparently New Jersey's a nightmare. Uh, whereas North Carolina, you pay your fee, you abide by the rules. They pretty much will give you your permit unless, you know, you do something you're not supposed to do. That's good. At least it's a little bit of an easier thing uh, to acquire. And I guess it helps move things along too, because I'm sure the, restaurant side of the business i'm sure that helps offset costs and makes things easier in terms of cash flow yeah so it's i went i did the math when our insurance came up a couple months ago i had to go do the math on the pre trailing 12 years 12 trailing 12 months uh earnings and we are really close to 50 50 on retail versus food and drink i think it was 47 53 i think 53 percent was food and drink and 47 percent was retail do you find players at the store will eat and, and or drink while they play or they only do one or the other? Uh, it depends on the person. Like you got the people that, you know, are, it's like, it, like I talked when I was doing my research before he opened this place, I talked to uh, one guy and I cannot remember what state he was out of, but everyone, which one I will say, everyone I reached out to in this community, they were all like super helpful. And uh, he, he was telling me, so we, we charged a table fee to play 
and he was telling me that he was adamant that there would be no table fees in his place. And he goes, and for the first year, he goes, I was really busy and we lost a lot of money. And so you get a little bit of those players who want to just come in and sit and they don't eat or drink anything. And I'm not, and then you get the others. You get people, you get people who will just come in and eat, um, uh, eat and drink or come in and eat, drink and play games. Um, we actually get a little bit of both because like I said, I think our food's pr- pretty good. Um, so it just depends on the person. Um, the area we're in here geographically or demographically is um, a lot of techie people. We have a lot of engineers, a lot of software people. And so this fits in with a lot of them, like what they like to do. So we've got to where right now we even have, I mean, we, we usually have a few corporate parties per month in addition to everything else because people want to come in and do this for their team building and have their teams out and stuff like that. That's really interesting to know that you have corporate events. You're the first store I've heard that that does that sort of thing. Are, so I know I've looked on your website and you have private rooms. Is that where those types of functions will take place? We have one. We have one private room, which is a D and D room. Usually, it seats about ten. That's actually where I'm sitting while we're having this conversation. Um, usually, the corporate parties are bigger than that. Um, you, are you familiar with Epic Games? I am not. Are they in North Carolina as well? Yeah, they make Fortnite. Oh, no kidding. Okay, yes. Now, now yeah. I know who you're referring to. Yes, yeah, they're, they're down the street from here. And so even before we moved here, we had done corporate parties from them, every night, like one or two. But the number one requested uh, activity for anything like ropes, courses, what the number one requested activity by their employee base is playing board games together is team building. And um, so we have a lot of those kind of companies here. That's really neat. I mean, is that something that you would say has been a help for the business, considering the costs to run not only just a retail space, but a restaurant as well. Do you feel that that's a luxury having the corporate aspect of things that, you know, maybe another smaller store might not have? Has that proven from a numbers standpoint to be a significant like boon for you guys? It, it is. Um, I think it would have been even more. So in 2019, we had probably 10 or 12 corporate parties and we'd, we'd only just opened. Uh, and they were a lot of them were smaller, like 14 or 20 people. Occasionally, you know, we've even had 130, 140 person events. Um, but it is an added boon that I really had not, I thought maybe I'd get one here and there when we opened the place in my original business plan. But I pretty much weekly book something now. I mean, um, anything from like, we want to have a 20 person get together with food to we want to have a 50, we want to rent half that we have a, we have the way we're set up. We can rent smaller area half the venue or the full venue. And so we have a lot of companies that come in that rent the half or the full venue for the night. And they'll just come in and play board games and food for their you know, employees. And um, it's kind of funny. Usually on the way out, they're always like, this was great. We want to do this again. And and we got a lot of them. They're starting to become repeat customers. They'll come in for their Christmas party. Um, and one of the things we do, which is going to sound kind of dumb, but it's actually kind of works out pretty well, is we just do beer, wine, and mead. We don't do a lot of, we don't do liquor sales. And a lot of the company parties actually like the fact that they can send their employees out here knowing they're not just going to get you know, liquored up and drive home. Um, not that they couldn't do that somewhere else, but they know they won't happen here. And so there's a couple of companies that have told me, their HR departments have told me, hey, we really like sending our guys there because they've always had a good time and we know nothing too crazy will happen. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of kind of neat. That's great, the rapport you've built up with other companies. And to hear that you're doing it, you know, at least once a week, I mean, that's that's fantastic. And you know, I I would imagine scaling that in initially would have been a challenge, especially with the sizes that you're mentioning. Like you can have at times 130 people. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the scaling of of that? Like when you're getting that large party coming uh, in? 
We so a lot of times for groups once they get to the, the biggest problem is the kitchen, right? Our kitchen's not all that big. I would probably would have made it a little bigger, backing up and doing it again, but it's too too expensive to resize it. So you kind of got what you got. But what we'll do is we'll prep a bunch of the stuff in advance, like not let it sit, but like you know veggie trays and salads and all the stuff like that can be prepped and put in the coolers. And then we typically give them like a buffet style food, which we constantly refill while they're here to keep everything hot. And then if they want something different, we let them order. Pardon me, we let them order off the menu. And so that seems to work out pretty well because it keeps the keeps the initial rush, which would be a problem for us down. Um, we've only had a time or two where things went kind of awkward. <laughs> we, we got back after uh, we got back after COVID, and we had two half venue events going on. And because the one lady had told me that this one software company would be like fifty people, went oh, perfect. You know, fifty people in the room. She had hundred and forty or sh- show up that day. Uh, they were supposed to rent our area and another area, and it was bring your family. They really didn't get a good count. And um, we had, so they only had half the venue. My place only seats about 150 total. So they have seating for maybe 75, maybe. And uh, so at one point, their people were all in here. And like, when I say 150, that's how we went through. Some people came and left, you know, company party style. Uh, but <laughs> at one point, there was a line of probably 25 people at the door still trying to get in. Uh, just because we, you know, we all didn't know who all was coming. I got, had the numbers I was given and it just kind of went sideways. And and somehow that day we managed to more or less keep up. And that was with a 50 man event on the other side as well. And I'm really, I know, I know the one employee that kind of carried us that day. And I, I'm surprised he's still employed here. <laughs> I'm joking. He's actually great. Um, he, um, he just, I don't know. I don't know how that much food came out of my kitchen, but it did. Yeah, I was going to say, because you mentioned you have like 13, 14 employees, like to, to manage that large of a group would seem like almost feel impossible. But do you need that many employees for those types of events? Like, is it all hands on deck when it's that many people? No, no. It'll usually be two kitchen staff uh, and two to three front staff and then maybe a runner. Like that runner will usually be me. I'll usually, for something that big, I usually try to be here just to talk to the people and see and make sure nothing goes too wrong. And um there's one thing about like you don't can't think of this like a like a lot of other restaurants. We don't we don't get typically now you always got these you don't typically don't get people coming to here that are they're coming out to have a good time. They're not they're not usually not in a hurry. I mean, if I'm sitting down and playing a 90 minute board game, if my food takes 12 minutes instead of eight minutes, do I really care? Here playing a board game, right? Um, we get a lot of our customer base is very mellow, and there's a lot of repeat customers too. And so you kind of get to where you build a relationship, like you know, so. If, if I'm in a typical place and somewhere I've never been and something's going horribly wrong, I might get all pissy about it. But like, you know, I walk up to the bartender, Matt, who I've known for you know six months now. And Matt says, oh, things are going really bad. We'll be with you in a few minutes. And you're like, oh, well, I like Matt, so I don't care. And he told me things are going really bad, but he's going to figure it out. Um, not that it happens often, but like if you have the rapport with the customers, we seem to develop just because of they're like, this is the space they want. This is a place they want to exist. There's not another one like it around. And then they, they've learned our people and they've learned that most of the time things go good, right? And so when you come up to someone like that and you say, hey, things are going sideways right now. We got this going on. We'll, we'll be with you in a second. They go, yeah, all right, that's fine. You know, I know these people. That's great to hear that people are understanding, you know, of the, the circumstance that if something is taking longer, that they're very accommodating towards it. So that's that's good to hear. And also, you know, even with having a large party of that size to, to serve at your store. I mean, you have quite the extensive board game list and I saw the list on your website. I believe it had 620 board games. Is, is that accurate still? 
Uh, that's probably about right. I know it was somewhere in the six, seven hundred range, and they and they come in and out. Um, most of the time, we can backfill stuff, but occasionally, you know, a board game will go out of print, uh, or a board game will go where we can't get it from the distributors for a period of time. And um, you know, and then there's some maintenance. You know, you come in here to play uh, House on the Hills. I'm going to use right now is the one I I know we normally carry it, but we have not been able to get one for the distributor for four months, and the one we had was so used we just pulled it off because it was becoming you know. It was getting to the point of a little bit disgusting. Um, and so there's some maintenance there. And occasionally, you know, the board games essentially will be sick. But, yeah, we keep somewhere around six, 700 games at all times. And how do you archive all of those games to be able to keep track of what's being used versus what's available? Do you have, like, a whole system for that? We do not have a system for tracking what's in use. Uh, we know the games that see the most use are, like, the typically 30-minute to 60-minute games, like a Settlers or a Ticket. Uh, space space. Those are the kind of games that tend to take the most use. And then um, the heavier games, we usually phase them out a little bit. Like we probably have still have a few too many. We had too many heavy games when we opened. Um, you know, if people come in to play Twilight Imperium, they're, they're bringing their own. I mean, they, they are. You, you can have it on the shelf and one guy can use it every now and then, but it's too much space and too much money to even bother putting out. Versus like, you know, you put settlers out or two, or I think we have two or three settlers out most of the time or two or three, like we have two space bases out. They explain a lot here uh, and try to have a couple copies out of anything that's that popular just so that people, you know, not necessarily waiting and uh, find that works good. Is that typical for people to bring their own games in? Do you see that often? We have a several groups that also, I mean, they might play ours too, but they'll come in and play ours and they might bring one or two in with them if they're meeting their friends that day and they have something different they want to play, uh, which we allow outside games to come in. And then we have we have a system here that's a little different than most places. We have a, a sticker on each game, and the sticker talks about how hard the game is, like difficulty level, uh, ranking on Board Game Geek has it over, social or not. And so, and then on our stickers are how also people can shop here. If they sticker on the game and it says forty five dollars, that doesn't mean the used game is forty five dollars. That means if you play it and you like it and you want to take one home with you, we can get you a new one out of the back and you can take it home with you. Um, which a lot of that will be moving to the new space, the retail piece, which is I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, we use a, and so we kind of have things by zone. Like we have light strategy section. We have a cooperative section. We have a two-player section, which that's the one that I hadn't thought of when we opened that it's the most request is two-player games. You know, couples will come in on a date and they're looking to play, you know, something. And so we try to have like Splendor Duet and like, you know, Seven Wonders Duel and, you know, Checkers and Chess. A uh, couple decks of cards. Just there's a lot of demand for those two-player games that was a little under. I didn't think it would be like that when we first opened, but it is. Would you say that from an overall perspective, and it certainly sounds this way, that board games are primarily the most popular um, types of events held and games played at your store? Yes, uh, we do. We do. We do turn. We do card games. We do Magic and Pokemon. And I think we do a flesh and blood on Thursday nights now too. We do magic and Pokemon and then we do um, board games and that's pretty much it. We, we tried video games for a while and that, that had mixed success. We had uh, a couple consoles out, people could play smash brothers and stuff like that. And the logistics of that got to be too troublesome. So we have an area now people can bring their own game and play. It's like a bank of televisions with HDMI cookups and all that. But you'd find, you know, you'd be here on Saturday night at five thirty, six o'clock and there'd be a hundred people in here trying to order and, beers and, and all of a sudden you know the random eight-year-old can't get the xbox to work and then you know an hour later you hear him get mad and throwing the you know the 75 dollar controller across the floor and you're like okay all right we can't have that 
uh, just because of the logistics and the you know just the just the damage they're going to cause. So we ended up reverting back to just a bank of TVs, which we ran out occasionally. Um, I think it would be a little more popular if we if we had had it out there more, but it's you know it's kind of what it is, and it's, uh, you know I got a group using it I think for the Super Bowl here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, so it's just a you know a constant thing like with any business, you you try stuff out, you see what works or what sticks or what's beneficial or you know not beneficial, and and kind of just roll with the punches. I would guess. Yeah, yeah, we had a plan, and you know, the first thing I tell you is the plan. You know, putting together the business plan to get the, the the loans and stuff were, you know, it was all there, and it's a nice theory. But the first thing, and I've I've been in other businesses, right? So it's new to the restaurant stuff, but I've I've, I, you know, my, my, I have an MBA in entrepreneurship, so I've done a bunch of business evaluations, a bunch of helps, a bunch of startups, worked for a few startups, and the first thing you got to be in any of that situation is like willing to change because if you're not, you're in trouble. Even no matter how good your first idea is. And what were like some of those businesses that you, you, you had started up in the past that did, and did you learn from those businesses that helped you with the game store now? Yeah, a little bit. Um, oh, I'm trying to think the, like my first job out of, out of college actually was uh, working for Bell South Mobility DCS, which Bell South was a huge company, but the way they're set up, I was essentially working for the startup piece, one of the startup pieces of the company. So my first first job was actually uh, by happenstance was in what was essentially a startup, which was kind of nice. And then I've worked for a couple of software companies. I was in telecom for about a decade, and I worked for a couple of different software companies that uh, one equipment manufacturer, one software manufacturer, and watched what they did right and wrong. And then went back to grad school after that. And when I was in grad school, I was helping um, evaluate technologies for um, the university systems here. Um, for potential startups and or helping run part of the group down there. And so I evaluated to put business plans together for, well, put together business plans light for several companies, including one that we licensed, a licensed technology out of North Carolina A&T that was, I was going to be super heavily involved with, but we had a, we had a technology issue about year two that kind of killed us. Um, so it was, uh, but it's neat. I like, I like going in and analyzing the market and tearing it apart and taking the product and tearing it apart and seeing what they have in common and making them match up. It's always something I've found a lot of, I think it appeals to the gamer in me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like you were now able to marry your passion for gaming with a game store. That's like almost like the ideal scenario that kind of like worked out successfully for you. And that's great to see. Yeah. Like I said, we, we, I mean, Heck, it's what is this Monday night, right? So tonight we have a commander event, and Monday night sometimes we'll have as many as eighty-five players. On a Monday, that's phenomenal. On a Monday, and Tuesday used to be our slow day, but Tuesday's kind of become. So we have a D and D night. Tuesday's become like the backup D and D night, and so we usually have three or four D and D groups playing, and they're here pretty much every week. A lot of them are here Tuesday and Thursday, and um, so they'll you know they'll fill. And we only open we open the bar at three, we open the kitchen at five. We close ten or we close the bar at ten or eleven. Ten on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, eleven the other nights, and usually shut down the kitchen nine or nine ish. So we're not open a bazillion hours. Um, and then we do like noon to eleven on Saturdays, which I like. And then we do like noon to nine on Sundays. And how many people do you, would you say are in the store on any given day? Because I mean, just to note what you mentioned was like, you know, a commander event, having 85 people on a Monday is great on the other days of the week or just overall, how many people are you seeing in the store? On Mondays, we typically don't have to turn anybody away because we don't have a table. We typically have, typically have enough tables. Um, 
Tuesdays are typically super, super busy. Occasionally, we do completely fill up on a Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday is far and away our deadest day, which means we're a third full to a half full. Uh, Thursdays are D&D night, and then we have a we have a meetup group, kind of like a group of like four tables that come in pretty much every Thursday and play. Uh, so, yeah, so Thursdays we're typically at capacity. Fridays are actually usually not full. And Saturdays on a typical Saturday, we're busy-ish through the day, and about 6 o'clock at night, we just completely fill up. Uh, we usually turn away half a dozen plus tables on a Saturday night. Just don't have space for them. And then Sundays is Pokemon. So we have Pokemon like noon to three. So we're full of kids, which is kind of cool uh, on a Sunday afternoon. And then usually somewhere later in the afternoon, we'll have, and it'll fill, you know, it'll dry off as the night goes down. And we shut the kitchen early on Sundays because that's when we do the heavy cleaning every week. You know, granted, I'm sure you obviously never want to have to turn people away, but that's almost seems like a good problem to have is, you know, you're getting that much demand and that much foot traffic into your store. Has it made you want to, is that what's le- leading to the extension that you're, you're purchasing? Yeah. So the extension primarily is going to be to host card stuff. Uh, so we're going to put a, try to go more live with our, our card sales for Pokemon and Magic. So we'll have display cases over there and we'll have wall-mounted um, board games for sale. And then we're hoping to add another like six or eight tables. They really won't be associated with the restaurant here, but we're hoping to add some tables for overflow. Like, we've been busy enough we've not been able to have like i can hardly i can't have a magic tournament on saturdays i can't i don't have the space and they're less profitable than people buying food so we're hoping to get back to where we can be a little more involved with some of our because we traditionally we hosted a lot of stuff like that and so opening this expansion is going to let us get back to a little bit of our roots on that we're not going to have a big space but it's big enough we'll be able to do some little stuff that some event stuff that we we can't do right now because well, you know, i don't have the square footage what, what, how much square footage do you currently have in your existing space? 4,300 and change. And the new space is like sixteen or 1,800 range. We're going to take a quick break from this podcast to talk about our sponsor, Cardboard Shuffle. Cardboard Shuffle was our 10th podcast interview here at the Match Slip with store owner Mark. Mark has expanded his brand and has produced his own card sleeves called Shuffle Shields. Shuffle Shields come in packs of 100 premium matte card sleeves for standard size trading cards. They contain no PVC and are acid-free. I have 17 packs of Shuffle Shields card sleeves to give away to listeners of the podcast and followers of the Match Slip on social media. Requests for a free pack of card sleeves shipped for free to you will be processed on a first-come, first-served basis. To receive your free pack of Shuffle Shields, you'll need to send a screenshot that you're following Cardboard Shuffle on Facebook to frankatthematchslip.com. Good luck, and back to the episode. If money wasn't something you had to you know, consider, which I know it's always a factor. Is there a certain number of square footage, like maybe towards the future when you, if you ever have moved to a larger space or anything like that, is there an ideal size that you're looking for to accommodate everything you have envisioned out for the store? So the way we sit right now, um, this lease, so I'm 51 and this lease, then my current lease ends when I'm 62. So I mean, it's like I carry this place to retirement because I have no desire, I have no desire to move it. Uh, now, if someone come in with enough money that I can move it and do it perfect and like buy this lease out or whatever, that's a whole different conversation. But if I was doing it, is we're more likely to open a second location than we are to do any of that. Um, so I think the spot that we're opening for the event space slash retail space uh, would ideally be 3,000 feet-ish. Uh, but we looked for months and months and months. Raleigh's a booming area and uh, Raleigh Cary area. 
And so we looked for months and months and months and we couldn't find anything and had this small spot in front of us. And so where it's at, there's an office on each side of it, one of which just got moved up there. And the guy has a couple. So I'm kind of hoping that one of those open up and we can add that to our lease and just tear the wall down. Um, so, yeah, I think the ideal place for the events would be 3,000 feet. Even more if real estate was cheap, but it's, it's not cheap here. Um, you know, we would love to have enough space to have a 100, 150-man you know, card tournament, but that's just not maintainable with the – because you'd have to have, with the frequency with which you could have them. If we do stuff like that, we'll go to, we'll go to Raleigh Convention Center or somewhere like that and have a special event. We do that usually once every year. I see. So Raleigh and Cary are in close proximity to each other because I'm not very familiar with with Cary. I, I know oh. Raleigh, but I'm not familiar proximity wise where Cary is yeah. to like the. Cary is the southwest corner of Raleigh. Okay. We're a suburb, but we're a big suburb. We're like a hundred thousand people plus suburb. Okay. And then with with having that large of a suburb, I'm guessing your ratio of new and returning players into the store, I'm guessing you get a good influx of both, or do you see one favoring the other? Uh, I am surprised by the number of people who walk in every week and go, I love this place. I've never been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I feel like we should be known, but like every time, every time, every day, we hear that almost every day. And it did help us a little bit. Uh, You familiar with limited run games? I haven't heard of them before. No, they do like rep- I don't share the exact details because I'm not a video gamer, but they they do a lot of. They're here in Apex, which is the next town over. There's all like you know, Apex. I can go from here to Apex, like right down the street. It's like I could walk there in ten minutes. Um, so they're out of Apex, and they do a lot of vintage retro games where they refit them to new platforms or something like that. I hadn't heard of them either to they opened. So they, um, I guess, they have a huge, huge cult following uh, for their video games. And so they opened their first retail space in the country right beside me. Their only retail space in the country. Uh, the day it opened, there was like 200 people waiting in line to get in. Uh, people drive down from like D.C. to see it, to go there. Um, you know, six hours. I've heard of all sorts of people within a four to six hour range that would drive here just to go to this little store beside me that's only open like four days a week. But ironically, when they walk to it, they have to walk by my place. So I actually get a lot of, uh, I get a lot of like walk-in traffic from that. It's kind of neat. And um uh, and they're really good. Like we're partnered with them. We're hoping to partner with them to do some special events this summer. Uh, just let that go with that. Cause I'm not sure exactly what the details will be. We got a couple on the board. I figure at least one or two of them will happen, uh, which they've been like, I love having them as a neighbor. Can't tell you, you know, they've all been easy as I'll get out to deal with. That's awesome. That's good to hear. Now is your store in a shopping center or how is it kind of like, like position wise, like, like I know some places have their own lot of land. Others share, you know, a shopping center space. We're in a rental space in the shopping center. Um, I would love to have bought my own property to build it, but the, that was pretty cost prohibitive. Um, we are in the upstairs of shopping center. Actually, a sushi restaurant right under me. <laughs> uh, and so we're, but we're, it's a little bit different because we can be on the second floor because we're a draw location. Like you got people that need foot traffic to survive. But a lot of the guys that come here, once they find us, they come here once a week, once a month twice a month, you know, uh, and, and do things regularly. Um, and so once we, and we, and when we were moving, we you know we had enough of a presence from the old shop as we moved here to, we brought that traffic with us, um, which, you know, it's, it's kind of all leads up. Um, like we've been working with, uh, uh, galaxy con guys who is one of the biggest events here in Raleigh here lately. And they found us because the owner of galaxy con was downstairs watching football and looked up and he says, huh, I see a place called the geekery. I think I need to go check that out. <laughs> and so, you know, you get a lot of that random 
you know, people, people that are into this kind of thing, search it out. If they see it, they tend to walk into it. And then, you know, if it's their thing, then you, they come back. Are conventions a thing that you, you attend as like with the store, like to help get either the name out there about the store or to, you know, find potential new people that may be interested in the store. Is that something you guys actively do? Uh, traditionally it is not. Uh, we have two, one or like, the you know, like we'll go, like we're going to go to GalaxyCon and, and run, well, we went to the, one of the first ones already. And so a lot of time I would go to those things and run like a social gaming section or just something like that, hand out cards or hand out some coupons. And so we typically traditionally have only went to conventions that are in the Raleigh Convention Center, Raleigh or Durham. So like if it's right here, right here, we'll go. Okay. Um, and I don't go to a lot of them, but like, you know, we did, especially if they reach out to us because they want some help with something. That's kind of how they sucker me in, I feel like. It's like, oh, we need help with this. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, and so we go to playthrough every year. We've been very active with them since they've been here. Um, and we usually run up a, set up a small magic area uh, for them. For other companies, we don't. And, and or we'll do some little bit of retail. But I will tell you, carrying boxes into the convention center to try to sell games. is. I, there's guys who do it. There's weekend warriors who do it every weekend. I don't want to be one of them. It's a lot of work. Um, so we've done a little bit of it, but going in and handing out cards is good. And I think our, our niche we've kind of worked into for a lot of this is like, he went for Fear Fest last year, like, hey, come down. So I came down and wasn't there the whole weekend, but we set up a little booth and we ran social dynamic games. I usually run Werewolf because it's the one that's well known or Mafia, I think we could do. And so we'll go and set up something like that and just, you know, hand out cards. Like I said, hand out, you know, $5 off coupons or something like that with it and, and you get, you'll get a few walk-ins and it's kind of fun to go out and talk to all the guys that do it every weekend. And, you know, you get to go in and see, see the backside of the convention. You occasionally get to meet a guest that, you know, you never would have got to meet if you hadn't just been in the back room having a cup of coffee at the same time, stuff like that. Right. Right. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's neat. It's good. Obviously I like that. I like that sector versus why I'm here. So when you get a chance to go out and network with you know 500 of the people that like that sector or five people that like that sector, it's just usually a good time. And, you know, I know usually any business getting more customers, more foot traffic is, is always something that's a wanted thing. And I know f- when I think about it from your side and the game store industry is a little bit different since it's a, it's a niche world. Um, mm-hmm. And you're having to unfortunately turn people away because of how busy and full it gets. Are you still needing to find ways to market the store? It would almost seem like, you know, I know a lot of people do conventions because of that's one of the purposes. Um, others have other reasons for doing it. But do you feel with the customer base you have um, that you're needing to do as much marketing these days? Or do you feel that the cash flow and just the way the business operates as a whole is enough to sustain to where you don't actually need to put as many marketing dollars as say a smaller store might. Yeah, we, we, our marketing budget is, is way tinier than I think anybody that's my equivalent. We, we did early and we have a pretty good social follow, following on social networking. And I have one lady that's running it for me now. who's really good at it. Um, but way better than me. And that's one of the things we suffered from for a long time is we're all social network, uh, social spaces incompetent, but we have a pretty good following for a while. We've had a couple of people that have helped us with us now. And, um, you know, maintaining the website and doing stuff is like, it's probably most of our marketing expense that and the staff to, you know, like posting that the new store is opening. You know, I get people walking in now who ask me all the time, when's it opening? When's it opening? Because we don't have a date out there yet. Yeah, it's, it's such, an, such a niche thing too. And like, 
you would not believe the people that walk in here because of the Google reviews too. Like if you look at our, if you go into Google maps and look at our reviews, we have something like, I don't know, some number of, some non three digit, I think. I don't think we got four digit reviews yet, but you know, it's unusual to see a place with that many reviews and we have a 4.9 rating. I get people that ask me about that all the time. And I'm like, I just, you know, we ask people to, to go do it, but the fact that they're even doing it's huge. Um, so it's, we get a lot of walk-ins from that, which I mean, when I'm out and if I'm looking for a restaurant and I'm in a town, I don't know, that's how I look for one too, you know? Absolutely. And it, that's great to be getting that type of positive feedback. I mean, for people, especially in today's you know day and age to take the time to go and do something like that, it clearly shows that you're making, you know, a very positive impact and it's reflecting in, in the continuous support that you're getting with the store. Yeah. Yeah. The customers are, customers have been great here. Um, you know, oh, we was one thing you asked about customers. I think I walked over to something else. You were asking about the types of customers. Oh, well, we think we've covered it. Anyway, we um, we the customers are great. Even I mean, it's so rare that we have somebody come in who's not just pleasant. That just it's, it kind of spoils you. I think. Yeah, no, that's that's very good to hear. And I know you were mentioning like Wednesdays were a slow day uh, for customers coming into the store. Is there? I'm guessing you hold events every day, but is there a particular reason why Wednesdays are slower? So traditionally, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are your slowest days in, this, in any kind of setting where people have to go out. Those are your three slowest days anyway, usually. Um, so Wednesday, we had tried a few things over the last year or two. Just none of it really, you know, we're talking about, we tried like, uh, we did a spades group that came to us. And then I've also got a meetup group that I cross-posted on. So Tuesday's kind of become a spades night and the backup D&D night, right? And, you know, between those two, we're usually foolish. You know, it's usually pretty busy. Um, and so that's usually spades, usually four or five tables, and there's usually six or eight tables of D&D, like three groups. It's usually two tables per group. Uh, and so this year on Wednesdays, we started doing – one of the meetup groups has started doing games from five to eight, which we're doing a raffle for them, which is a new, new marketing position for us. And that seems to be taking off pretty good. Uh, we only had eight people one week when the weather was real, real, real nasty. But I saw like we have like 15 or 20 RSVPs for this week. So I think Wednesday will become our, our Wednesday meetup. And then someone's approached to me about opening up Euchre on Wednesday nights. Uh, but I haven't got me any real information about it yet. So we may end up doing Euchre and meetup group on Wednesday nights. And I think Wednesday nights will fill in by the end of the year. It's one of those, you, you pick one problem off at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Tuesday was a problem. I worked on it a lot. A lot of what started last year, I was working on Tuesday pretty hard because it was a slow day, and that's kind of taking care of itself now. So moved my focus over more to Wednesday back in the fall, and um, we started January 1st with that new meetup group and stuff, and I think that's going to think that's gonna work. Just kind of have a free play board game night on Wednesday nights. Kind of talks to people, I think. And there's a lot of other – there's a lot of groups in this area – that do it at different locations on different nights and none of them were doing Wednesday. And, um, you know, uh, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of meetup groups that have like, like tonight I know there's a bar down the street for me that there'll be 20 guys in there playing board games because it's just their night to go do it. And so I think once we, once we get in that rotation, we'll have plenty of people on Wednesday. That's cool that you have the luxury of finding, you know, various things that you could test out to, potentially fill in those gaps where, you know, what's coming in for a given day or a slow day sales wise that you have these options. Most of the time you don't usually hear businesses with having that opportunity. What, what do you think has been the contributing factor 
for you and your business in particular that you've kind of have had this um, great fortune and uh, I'm sure it's from hard work um, and your experience with entrepreneurship dating back to, you know, when you first started the store and even beyond that, um, what do you think has been the, the benefiting factor for you that's enabled you to find solutions to problems like this? I think the biggest thing is when you hit on it, you just keep trying stuff until something works. Um, something failing, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty fast when I try something, if it's just not working to go, eh, all right, that didn't work. Let's find something else. Uh, you try to get too stuck on stuff that you try, right? Like it's, there's a, there's a restaurant down below us that's now closed a third time, but it was, it was a place that was three Italian restaurants in a row and all three of them went belly up. I'm like, how many Italian restaurants do you have to open in the same spot in a row to figure out this is not a good idea? Uh, it's neat, but there's a one mile one way and a couple miles the other way are two of the best places in the area to eat that both serve Italian food. And if you're not going to be better than them, you're wasting your time. And all three places were not better than them. And the owners just lost a bunch of money because why? Um, so I think I have a pretty good, like pretty laid, a pretty realistic opinion about when I evaluate something, even if it's my idea. No, that, that wasn't right. Okay, let's move on and try something else. And that's, I think if you're willing to do that, you can always kind of figure something out. Yeah, it's it's learning from those either mistakes or what you observe and then being able to put it into practice and not get married to a decision. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't even call them mistakes. I'd call them trials that went wrong. You know, you tried something out. It wasn't, you can't even, if you look back to when you made that decision, it wasn't a bad idea. It just, it didn't work out the way you thought it would. Yeah, like um, a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's some people that have real issues with that, but like it's really never been too much of my personality. Like I can, I guess I've made enough mistakes early on to just keep moving on and not worry about it. Um, in terms of like, you know, I, I've never been a person that says why stuff won't work. I'd be like, oh, that didn't work. Okay, let's try something else. That's a very positive way to go about it. I like that. And what would you say regarding your store from your own personal opinion? What would you consider it uh, an aspect of it to be unique that another store like yours because I, I know there are others that exist that do what you do, but I want um, to hear from you what you consider a unique um, aspect of your store. And it could be anything. It doesn't have to be something tangible within the store, like the restaurant, for example. It could be anything that you deem uh, something unique that you haven't seen other stores in the industry do. I can tell you something that, and this was not an idea that came up with me. This is an idea that was brought up during the conception when a bunch of us were talking about this thing. The one thing that I think a lot of the stores do incorrectly that we do well is the way that you look. Um, we have tan and gray walls. We, we look like a place. We look like a nicer restaurant. We don't look a whole lot like a game store. Like if you do look, you know, you can see the retail. There's, there's card sleeves there. That's kind of weird. It looks more like someplace you would just happen into. And I think the decor makes some non-gamers a little more nervous or whatever like they just it feels kind of weird to them like for me to be in a game store right to see a shelf full of games just I, I, whatever i love it i'm gonna go look at them but um and i've had that translated to me through customers through some friends that this just makes poor, poor people feel more comfortable here i think than they do in sometimes in some of the other game stores um and i know that's kind of a weird thing but it's something that someone pointed out when we were designing the place that's very very true I say we have more meetup groups that are just women come in to play games here than any other place I've ever seen because it's very hospitable. Um, 
to people that aren't necessarily hardcore gamers. Like if, you know, me and two other buddies or two or three people that I know were going to go play a card game or a board game, we're all gamers. We wouldn't really care as long as the food and stuff was good. But, you know, if I'm bringing 16 people out and 12 of them are gamers from a corporate party, the other four need to feel comfortable too. And I think we've done a really good job from the get-go of just kind of being a normal looking place. And I think I really early undervalued what that would bring us. And I think this brought us a lot of returns that I had not anticipated. And as you were describing all of that, from the from the initial uh, things that you brought up, I was actually kind of envisioning in my head that it really is a restaurant that also happens to have gaming available. It almost was the feel that I have, which I could then definitely see the attraction of people just coming in there like they want to, you know, they're done with work for the day. They want to grab something to eat and you're a place that they could go to. Yeah, we don't we we don't get a ton of that traffic, but I think that's what it gives the feel to for some people because it's, um, you know, and I got I'm in a I'm in a complex that's got three or four other restaurant bar places. Right. Like I will say that definitely the after work place is the McGregor Village on the side of below us. It's been there 30 years. It's just a typical sports bar. Right. Has good food. That's more the like there's a and there are places here all have kind of the unique crowds. And so the after work place is kind of theirs. Like that's the lunch place here that's really busy, right? And it's up this way. It's doing good enough that it's it's a sports bar that doesn't close that closes on Sundays, even through football season. Like it's just kind of his niche. He's like, I want a day off. I've done this a long time. And so we have them. We have another one back in the back that's kind of like they do live bands. That's kind of their niche. Uh, and so we have like you know, the sushi place below me has just just it's just a good sushi restaurant, right? So we've kind of like all got our little things back here. Um, and so, yeah, I, um, but yeah, I think, I think it is a little disarming. Like I've, I've gone to, I go to, I've gone to, whenever I travel, if I see a game store that's like this, I go, I don't care. I, I go, I eat, I try to see what it's like. And I was at one recently and I'll, I will leave it, which I, I liked, I really liked. It was kind of cold to walk into, if that makes any sense. The staff, like no one kind of said hello, which we do that a little less now on Saturday because we're so busy. But early on, like you can make sure to talk to everybody. Um, you know, you can tell by the way. I talk to everybody that comes here that will talk to me. And then um, you kind of, you got, it was a Saturday and it was two, me and a friend and we went to the, to the bar to eat, right? And I'm looking around and it's just like, it was dead. I didn't even understand. I'm like, how can this place not be? Because it was really, the food was good, right? The drinks were reasonably priced. The location seemed okay. And I don't really know. I kind of, that was the biggest thing is like, it just didn't feel welcoming when I got there. And to the point that if I lived there, I mean, I would go with a meetup group or like maybe go with friends occasionally, but it would not be somewhere I'd go hang out. Uh, even though I had no objection to it other than it just kind of didn't feel welcoming. This episode of The Match Slip is sponsored by Crash CityCon. Roanoke, Virginia's premier gaming and fan convention. It's tabletop gaming at its best in addition to role-playing games, board games, there are vendors, and so much more. Play with some of the top game masters in the area, enjoy a casual game in their open gaming area, or learn to play games you always wanted to play. Attend Crash City Con August 23rd through the 25th of 2024 at the Berglund Center Special Events Center. You could check out more information at CrashCityCon.com. Your place has a much different feel to it where people want to come back. It's almost, the, it's the coming back factor. It's what is that initial um, impression you're making and is somebody going to want to come back to it? And then 
you know, there's only 14 of us or so, 15 of us at any given time. Um, you know, if you get here a couple of times, you will know all my staff by name. A lot of the guys, a lot of people come here a lot know all my staff. Um, maybe not a couple of the kitchen guys that only work, you know, maybe one shift a week. But like anybody else, like the kitchen manager, the front manager, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like just being relatable to whoever your random customer is, even if it's just somebody new off the street. Definitely. And in the early days of the store, before you had the staff that you have, were you at the store, I'm guessing, quite a bit? Like, were you putting in a lot of hours in at, at, at those at that point in time? Yeah, I'm like the person that has to fill in whatever. <laughs> like, uh, I've got managers now. There was a period of time, even after COVID, where, like, you know, I would work whenever no one was here um, because we didn't have bodies. Um, yeah, I was here a lot. I was here a lot for in 2019 for the Open. Uh, in 2019, I was convinced by now we'd had three of these and it would all be fine. And then 2020 hit like a damn, sorry, like a, like a, like a ton of bricks. Um, our kitchen was closed for a year. Um, you know, I lost almost all my staffing. Um, not even counting the money that had to be pulled out for, you know, stuff that we had going on. 2020 hit hard. And so I think now I'm back to the point, was it four years later that we're talking about like, Okay, this year we're launching the expansion spot next door. Uh, this year we are going to start having a presence at more conventions. Um, part of the retail spot over there is we will be more active in that stuff. I have a manager that I really like to, to run that part. And then, um, and also, like, we we were talking about the stores. For much most of this gap here of the time the stores are open, I've had two businesses. I have this one and another one. And um, I tend to stay busier at the other one when things are going good here. And then getting more involved here whenever we you know, have something to work on or working like, you know, more very involved with the expansion. That, that's the kind of stuff that um, I'm more involved with day to day. If I'm here, you're prob- I'm probably here with friends or like, well, you know, this D&D room that I'm sitting in, me and the kids play here every Tuesday night. Um, we come and play T&D with a couple of other buddies. Um, so when the store's open in an ideal world, I'm there as a customer or to say you know, shake hands with people than I am to, to actually run anything. Um, but you know, you do what's needed. Uh, I know I'm the one that everyone will not let back in the kitchen. They're like, you make too much of a mess. (laughs) (laughs) I've got several people that are like, I'll work the kitchen. You just stay up there and talk to people, get them beers. Uh, and like, you know, Christmas, Christmas Eve is a good example. Christmas Eve, uh, we are closed essentially, but we open retail only. And like, I come in on Christmas Eve. Traditionally, this past year, I didn't. I went on a vacation. But traditionally, I come in on Christmas Eve and, like, I spend four hours serving people beer and helping them with the retail shopping. Um, and that's just the entire shift. And usually, it can be anywhere from, like, two people to, like, 50 people. You just don't know. Either way, you know, I sit around. I talk to customers and help people find last-minute gifts and that kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of a, one of my fun days I like here. How would you describe, like, the layout of the store for a new customer coming in, like like myself, who hasn't been there yet before? How would you describe um, it? Yeah, so you walk in. When you walk in, there's there's two doors, but only one's an entrance. The other, Both of them are exits. The other one's the emergency exit. Um, you walk in, and the, you're immediately facing the bar. If you go on Google and you look at our pictures, you'll see the big blue wall of games. That's off to your left. There's a small retail section between you and there, and there's some tables visible. Uh, the tables are brown, chairs are uh, wood and metal. Uh, so it's like wooden brown tables, and the chairs are wood, and they match. Um, and then off to the right is a row of windows and it goes back into like just table area, a bunch of tables, which is where we have a lot of events on that side. And then the back right of that is the, um, is the, is the space, this little D and D room that we rent. 
uh, one thing we did early on with the designers is I had, um, <laughs> this is one of the one I'll take credit for. In the middle, when we were open, finally I was like, why don't we put the kitchen in the middle? And that'll let us have more events. So if we have the kitchen in the middle, that gives us the ability to divide the left and right of this place, which all the board games are on the left. So you would typically have the events on the right. So if I have someone who wants 50 people in here for a half venue event, I'll put them on the right. And they have full access to, you know, the games by walking through the communal area versus actually get back. We put events on the left all the time, too, because it's easier to put the food out there on the left for them. Um, so it just depends on the time of day, too, and how much that. But, they, you know, it gives you it gives us the ability to divide the space pretty efficiently. Uh, and one side has a men's and a women's room. The other side has a, a unisex bathroom. So you could be on one half of this and never really have to go on the other half except to go get games if you want to get games. And I think that was one of the things I really like is, like, we have – being able to divide the space in half for two different things is really valuable um, to the point that I think it would be one of the key designs I would take forward if I did another one of these. And I know for like the gaming stuff too, you have memberships available through the website. How does that all work? Yeah. So we charge $10 per, for, for the table to come play for meetup groups and stuff like that. We just charge two fifty per person. Like if it's, you know, individuals coming in, uh, we, we tried the couple models you'll see out there. You'll see the by hour, You'll see people charge $5 a person. That's what we started off with. Uh, and we settled on this model because it seemed it seemed to make the most sense and be the fairest to all the customers coming in. Um, so the mem- so you, anyway, you can pay that. But if you have a membership, you don't. And typically we interpret that to where if one person at the table has a membership, you just don't pay for the table. And it's 15 bucks a month or 120 bucks a year. Uh, we have a lot of members, actually. Um, we haven't had a problem with it yet really. Um, I can see how it could be a problem. Uh, we've talked about potentially changing stuff on Saturday to restrict it to a four hour window for table rentals. Um, just, you know, if it gets to be where there's enough of that draw pulling us back, I don't think that'll happen anywhere in the near future. We are, it's one of the advantages of having the new spot coming up is like, um, you know, we'll have an extra six, eight tables over there that why not ideal can be used in a pinch for something if there's nothing else going on. Very cool. Lance, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast today. I've really enjoyed hearing about it and everything you're doing with the store from the extension to the restaurant. It's It's been very enjoyable from my end to hear it, and I can't wait to come check out the store. Is there any place where you would like to have listeners check out anything about your store, whether it be on Facebook or the website that you'd like to share? Yeah, you can go to check us out on the Google Maps. If you want to see some pictures, you can go to Cary Game Tavern. That's uh, C-A-R-Y, GameTavern.com. That's our website. Um, there are social media links out there. Uh, just you, if, if you Google, one of the neat things about our name, if you Google the word geekery, we're the only one in the country. So we pop right up. I don't care if you're in California. If you look up the word geekery on the map, we'll be what pops up. Uh, and then, you know, you can see our reviews, see our stuff. And if you're in Cary or this area, come check us out. Um, love to see new people come in. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link off uh, the website and the show notes for this episode. Lance, thank you again for coming on. Hey, appreciate you having me. And um, you know, if you're next time you're down here, let me know, right? Absolutely. I will do. And for everybody else listening, uh, I'd like to thank you for listening to the episode. And if you'd like to join our newsletter at thematchslip.com slash newsletter. You could read about the stores I visit in person and I share that only on the newsletter. So if you're interested, be sure to check that out. And with that being said, we will talk to you all in the next episode. Take care.